Right. So, and that's a bit, I mean, that's a big difference, right? Because we're talking about eternity, so it can't get any longer. Welcome to the Homer Kent Experiment, Episode 022, The Afterlife. Okay, guys, so I have something I've been uh, wanting to discuss more with some friends, but a little honestly scared to talk about it with with my Christian friends because it it does sound uh, potentially crazy to a lot of people who've grown up in the church or even new to the church because what has been the traditional view of of what hell is that I've been taught my whole life and many others have been taught, it's the traditional view. It's what the church teaches is that people will eternally be punished there'll be eternal conscious torment um pictures come to people's heads of fire and brimstone and these things um but lately i I, for well actually i'll I'll be honest for the past couple years i have been uh, introduced to a new concept that i think may be even more biblical than that traditional view we've all been taught and I know that sounds weird because how could that be? Yeah. But, um, but you know, I, I was, as we often do, we're introduced to things offhand, whether on the internet or something somebody says, and then we dive deeper into it and find out, well, maybe this isn't as crazy as it sounded at first. Yeah. So uh, what is, what is maybe the most famous Bible verse that you can think of? What is, what comes to mind? John three sixteen. Yeah. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's exactly right. And so this new concept is referred to by a few names, one of which is um, conditional immortality or conditionalism. You, you just called it a new concept, Josh. Is that is it a new concept? The one I'm introducing you to right now. Got it. Okay. All right. No, this actually has, even though I call the other one the traditional view, um, this idea has been around since the beginning of uh, the church as well. Uh, so when you read that verse, it says you have to, be, that whoever believes in, in Jesus Christ will have eternal life and will no longer be in the group that is perishing, right? Um, John 3.36 says, he who believes in the son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the son will not see life but the wrath of god abides on him mm-hmm. and then another one of the most famous verses ever romans six twenty three says for the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our lord so this concept i'm bringing to you is that we are not immortal creatures we're just creatures that god created we initially perfect and in the garden but after the fall he, we are finite creatures bound to like doomed to death because of our sin for the wages of sin of death and eternal life then is a gift of God mm-hmm. is a gift of God. Okay. So John 11, 25, 26 says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die yet, she shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And then 2 Timothy 1.8 says, 
which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And so when we hear that, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, if you believe in him, you shall not perish, but have eternal life. And so what is the opposite of eternal life? It's this idea of death and perishing. So so the, the concept I'm bringing to you here that I've talked to you guys about before, but I, I wanted to talk about it more formally here together, is that not everybody's going to live forever. Only those who have salvation in Christ will. So there'll and be this a time. Is, and this is just like a possibly, this possibly might be true. Yeah. So obviously, Kidron, I don't have all the answers. Uh, I wish I did. I don't. This is something I want to talk through and see, is there something here that we should pursue further? Am I way off base here in, um, in this line of thinking, you know, yeah. I'd like to get yeah. your, your thoughts on that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to try to, to be, um, neutral on this. I mean, obviously I've been taught <clears throat> my whole life, uh, the traditional view that, that, uh, that hell is, is a place where, you know, people who don't accept, uh, christ they you know spend eternity in and uh so so i'm gonna just i know you guys have uh have listened to some debates and stuff and and um gotten a little into the content so um i, I feel like for me it's gonna be good to to just try and process okay what are the things that come to mind and stuff like that and um and and it, it's good too because like i I always want people to feel comfortable to like explore ideas and not just be like, you can't say that, you know? So, um, you know, so that's I, really good to hear Kidron. Cause I've been like, there are a lot of Christians who you're scared to bring stuff up around because you know, their initial thing will be, I cannot let any ideas into my head that I don't like agree right. with. Well, right. You guys are kind of obliterating my first point which was, you can't say that. <laughs> but fine. Okay. Let's just move on. Um, and, and Josh, are you, are you uh, prepared for, for verses that, that might um, contradict this? Um, like, like, have you looked at everything? Should I bring these things up that pop to in no, my head? I certainly or? haven't looked at everything, but I, what I do want from you is verses like that. So that then mm -hmm. I can then go think through it and develop a bigger, picture right because i okay. want I, I don't really care that this is if this is true I, what i care about is what is true right yeah, right that's and that's good. what we should all care about I, I started there with the idea that actually i think a reading of scripture uh, a more fuller fuller view of scripture does point towards this thing called conditional immortality or annihilationism which means that those who die and are not with Christ will not be consciously tormented for eternity, but rather there will be an end to it. They will be annihilated and that death will be eternal. So it seems to all hinge on that one word consciously. Right. So, and that's a bit, I mean, that's a big difference, right? Cause we're talking about eternity, so it can't get any longer. Yeah. And so you're either, consciously being in torment or there comes a point where you where you're you will no longer exist and god said this is final yeah. now there like, could be punishment before that and that punishment could be dealt out in different 
uh, measures to different people because I do believe God is a just and righteous judge. Um, but there will come a time where that stops. And mm -hmm. so, so let me say one more thing here. So I've got the fact that I, I'm starting to see scripture as, as pointing towards this, but there's also this part of me and maybe part of you guys and, and probably part of a lot of our listeners who the idea of eternal conscious torment has never quite sat well with because I, because what I see of God in the scriptures is him saying to us, I am a good God. I am love. I'm a righteous God. I'm a holy God. I am a, I'm a, I'm a good judge. And there is part of me that has always wondered how is this fair God that there are people that these people I know that people who have never heard of you, you know, my wife's grandmother died two days ago, 91 year old woman, uh, lovely, lovely woman. And, and she was a believer in Jesus Christ. So she's in heaven and her family is big and full of believers. And that's exciting. But there are many grandmas who are dying, who good women have, haven't tried to, you know, they're not, they're not Hitler out there. They're not even, they're, they're trying to do good in the world. And then you wonder, why does God think it is the most righteous and just thing for them to, to, well, not maybe not literally burn forever, but that's what we picture a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Well, what I think what a lot of Christians believe is actually worse than just a physical burning forever. Um, you know, the taking away of any, any, joy anything anything good and i think fire is probably as close as we can get to it um but josh you, you're bringing up a, a lot of different angles there on two the big argument. two big angles there the big angle mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. i believe scripture points to it so we can touch on that and then the second one is i also believe our hearts and consciences point to it some of those key verses you were saying um it seemed to indicate that uh that, that there's a difference, you said, eternal life and then death, as if uh, death is only experienced sub, like unconscious or destroyed. That was the, that was the first in thing. In a that... finite way, I think, is what he's saying. It seems to be juxtaposing two points. It's saying you were... You know, it's like the wages of sin is death. death. The gift of God is eternal life. So I, I when I read that, at least I've never read it in the way you're describing it. Um, and, and I and it's a stretch for me. And so I, I'm just going to push back while I still I, I'm so it's going to seem like I'm just arguing from my side, but I'm more just trying to sort process it. So I read that to say um, eternal life. Good. Thumbs up. That's like uh, eternal, not just to mean everlasting, but eternal to mean in the way the Bible seems to have it in context to mean a lot of times like heavenly life, the way life was meant to be. Um, and then tagged on there as well, everlasting. And so the this wages, is how I always read it as well, Steve, this metaphorical it, death until you became enlightened. No, no, no. I'm just no, saying, I'm just no, that makes sense. That's how I always read it as well. So yeah, I, th I think it can be read like that. 
so, 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 but the wages of sin is death, which is not like a, you're not going to experience this forever death, but you could actually live in death. You, 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 yeah, but let's re- let's think about it in the context of Genesis, where God creates the world and man to to bear His image, and I think probably His eternal nature. And then when the fall happens, that's when He says, "You sh- shall surely die," and He locks him away from it. He says, you, "He puts these angels there to to guard it." And whether this is all a metaphor or a physical place, He's saying. You know, this is over. There, it, that's not even a definite word. Um, like a lot of a lot of people take that to mean. I I think more people take it to mean than that this than don't is like your your good life is going to end, and you're you're going to live in you know hell. I mean, it's going to be your life is now going to end. And you're going to go on dying, uh, so to speak. Um, you know the, the the traditional view. So that so that's the death way. Is, death is the idea of uh, such a slow. Like, how how do I put this? It's it's an active thing. You are dying forever. Yes. Well, but but, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say slow. I would say when it happens. Um. It's done, and, and and obviously I'm I'm arguing logically here, and not I'm I'm not pointing to a Bible verse, but I think the verses you're bringing up are there. There's a lot of gray area, room for interpretation there. Um, and, and we'll get to some more where I or or I'm bringing up another verse, you know, another few verses that are coming at it from the other angle as well. But that's good. That's verses- good. So let's step back from like kind of. Uh, the the quibbling over the words in the verses because we are reading translations in, in English and such and but I am curious if you guys were just to start from scratch and before I even mention this to you and I said hey what do you think hell is like what what do you think what do you think the afterlife is for those who don't know Jesus for the damned um I, I would yeah I mean that that's i think what what our attempt is here and uh it, it's just such a hard thing to do to to erase everything and but no i'm from... asking you like uh, be, don't erase anything if i would have asked you yesterday that question what do you imagine in your head what what's your best theological guess well the, i mean there's a parable and it's uh, the rich man and lazarus that i think is number 1 it's biblical and number 2 i think it lines up closely to what even even non-believers, if you ask them, "Hey, what hell? What's hell like?" They'll probably describe something like this. Um, you know, the rich man was rich, Lazarus was p- poor. When they died, they kind of flip-flop positions, and Lazarus goes up to heaven um, under Abraham's bosom, whatever you want to call it. And um, the rich man is in is in hell. And and obviously, when you get into the semantics, hell is actually a place and. Uh, Jerusalem that was just a uh, not really good place and it was but, a well the word that they use for hell in the Bible is referring to this giant burning landfill outside of the city yes yeah, so, so is that but, Gehenna yeah. yeah yeah Gehenna so but but f- 
for our conversation, I think it simplifies it. Uh, on some of the stuff your guy on the video was talking about, I really do think he was missing the forest for the trees. If I could, if I could just sum it up that way. Um, and we'll get into more of that, but I think that is one where you get into the semantics of, of some of this stuff and you can lose any meaning. You can almost argue any possible perspective of meaning in the Bible. Yeah. Well, but so far, that, I think what, what we've touched on, uh, what, what, like what Josh has said so far, I think it makes sense. Like you, you could interpret it that way. Um, and, and it would align with this, uh, with this um, view um, that like, there's no inconsistencies yet. I just want to give them that much and say like what we've, what we've discussed so far. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I'm not saying that necessarily about Josh, but, but the video, I did feel like he, he was, he was missing. He he was getting caught up in the weeds, which you kind of have to do when you're, Making an argument, but I I felt like he was drawing. I actually felt the exact opposite. I felt like it wasn't getting into the weeds of how do we explain these words away? How do we make the word death mean the exact opposite of death? How do we make the word destruction mean the exact opposite of destruction? I felt like he was saying, like, if we just have a plain reading of scripture, God repeatedly tells us that we will, there will be an end to us unless we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Okay, so so help me with Luke 16 then, with the rich man and Lazarus. This is the hardest passage for me, um, the because it, it seems as though Jesus is saying to them, look, let me give you a glimpse into the future. But it's also like the fifth parable he's telling in a row, and the parable he tells right in front of it is that of a rich man who is good and a poor man who is evil. And then the next thing he makes is a poor man who is good and a rich man who is evil. And this one takes place after death because the way life works is we often don't see, we don't see the, um, heaven isn't always on earth, right? We often ask ourselves, like, if I good, if I'm good and I love God, why am I a beggar here on the street? Or why do I have cancer or any number of things, right? And so the point he's making could be any number of things. One of which is often our reward comes after death or that you won't have a second chance, rich man, after you die to go come back to the world and warn everybody else or any number of other meanings you can take from that parable. Yeah. And, and and I could, I could see that. I could say, Hey, if that guy were alive today, you know, people do that all the time. If that guy were standing here right now is a way to prove a different point or yeah, that guy, could not physically be standing here right now. I could see what I could see what you're saying there, and and Jesus was certainly not, you know, uh, but, yeah. opposed to to t- discussing things like that. Um, yeah, like he talks about how you know sheep. He calls people sheep at different times, so he uses parables. However, I will say that that's the hardest verse for me to get to to figure out because it is Jesus talking. Now, Josh, I did a, a just a little um, superficial search here, and and I came up with the verse. I don't know if you've come across this one, but it actually uh, th- this is the net translation that uh, I'm looking at here that popped up. But um, it actually uses the the term eternal punishment. So that's a uh, Matthew twenty five forty six. I don't know if you've come across that in in researching this, but can you read the verse to us? Yeah. 
Yeah, the verse says, and these will depart into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Right. So we are thinking of the word punishment there as meaning you're constantly getting spanked or something. But the word punishment can mean many things. I mean, if you think about a judge, he can deal out a fine. He can deal out the death penalty. He can deal out time in prison as a punishment for a crime. And the word eternal there, I think, is meaning uh, like it doesn't have to mean you will eternally be punished consciously. It just means that you will be punished and this is final forever. So if if the punishment is death and maybe some things before that that I'm not ruling out. Then it's final. There will be no coming back. Although I do think it I do think it is important to note that at least us now it would be it would be interesting to go back and see get in the mind of a first century jew that jesus yes. was talking to and say what comes to their mind when they hear the word eternal because everyone you talk to when they hear the word eternal it is synonymous identical with everlasting like whatever whatever activity this is going it's going to go on forever for forever yeah forever but does that mean but if i say forever death or forever perish or forever destruction yeah yeah does that mean that you are constantly being destroyed or does that mean you are destroyed forever yeah and, and i'm saying at least in a 21st century mind it to me that there's no question i hear eternal anything and that's going to be it's like this activity, it's the present participle, I think is the right. This activity is going to continue on co okay. happening yeah. forever. So, so Josh, um, in, in your view then, or in, in the view that you're at least exploring here, um, you would say that this would translate to, so, and these will depart into eternal punishment. So that would mean that they would die and be no more or, or they would they would receive a punishment and then they would die and be no more well there's three That's major still... views of what happens in the afterlife right now that mm -hmm. and, and that is what we'll what we're calling the traditional view tonight which is that non-believers depart into what we're going to call hell and are eternally consciously set separate from god which is the way, way, way majority of. The second one is universalism, which is that God redeems all things to himself. And even those that are sent to a place like hell eventually realize who God is and, and are reconciled mm -hmm. to him. The reason I think it's important for God to then say to people, this is everlasting destruction you will perish forever is that it takes universalism off the table. It's basically mm -hmm. saying this life is all you have and there will not be another choice later on. And so we all think that God is omnipresent, right? We, we believe God is all places everywhere. We also believe he's righteous and holy and cannot abide sin. So if hell lasts forever, and, and this is a very hard concept to consider ever, like forever, we can't, I can't imagine it. But if hell is to last forever and sinners are to be being punished there, 
God will be present there as well. And sin will always be before him. And so there's this idea that God will put an end to sin and it will be no more. And, and it won't be in, it won't be in heaven in his, his presence with believers. There's also this concept that Jesus died. He, he literally died. And when the, and when the Bible says he died, I kind of take it literally. And then he rises again and he, he defeats death. And, and, and um, if you don't mind here, I'll read uh, Romans six. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that, so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. So how can we live in it any longer? Don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we now know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body was ruled by sin will be done away with that will no longer be slaves of sin because anybody who has died um, has been set free from sin. So the idea here is that Jesus Christ died and was raised again so that we may do the same thing. I don't think, you know, this idea that everybody is immortal, I think comes from Greek philosophy and we've just adopted it into the church. You're not immortal unless Jesus has given it to you. Mm. So let me, uh, let me read another one here. Then Josh, I'm man. I appreciate the work you put into this. I can tell you've thought about a lot about it. It's going to be uh, so sad to just dismantle all of that hard work you put in. But, um, <laughs> I love you. Steve. No, I'm I'm just kidding, man. This is this is really good and challenging. Um, it it's it's really tough for me to get away with. Uh, you're leaving the door open a bunch for for punishment, and that's not to satisfy my need to punish unsaved people. I, I have no need to punish them. God seems to have a have a need to punish them. Um, and so do you think uh, before we go on with that, because I think that's a brilliant line of thinking there, Steve, do, would you say, though, that being eternal, like knowing that God exists, that you could have lived forever with him, but he sentences you to complete and utter uh, death? Is that punishment? Well, so like the, de- I, like the death penalty is our biggest punishment on this earth. I actually think that is what most of the world is walking around thinking right now. Um, like, I mean, to find a true atheist, someone who 24 seven doesn't even doubt that God does not exist. Something tells me there's like five of those on the planet. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's just too much. There's just too much. I mean, I, I, I so, get So a, what you're saying is like everybody already thinks nothing happens after death. They're just dead. But what I'm saying is there's a difference between that and then being raised for the second judgment in mm-hmm. front of a holy God and then finding out that your punishment is death for not having. Yeah, uh, and, and I think yours, yours is even... I think you could add a add even more into there to what you're you're proposing here is is that there might even be some other level of torture or punishment yes. or something in there too. But you're yes. just saying it's got an endpoint. Yeah. 
It's got a, it, it could be a thousand years, could be a million years, could be something. Um, I mean, it seems like you're it going could shorter. Be any, than it longer. could be whatever you think of as eternity. And then there's died. And then there's still eternity after that. Yeah. So, so you're leaving the door open for a lot. And I, and I think it would be difficult to pinpoint from scripture one way or another, but let me just share a verse that I'm thinking of that. Um, I don't know. It seems, seems at least the way I'm reading it, which has got all my context attached to it. Uh, this is second Thessalonians, uh, one, five through 10. Um, I'm not going to read all of it. Let me just get to this. Um, he will punish those who do not know God. So this is when Jesus uh, comes back from heaven with his angels um, who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction, which I know how you interpret that, which would be like a it's it's done. It's over with forever. You won't be coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I read that and still looking through my eyes, I'm seeing that the way I interpret it which is so so like when you hear the word destruction what are you picturing um yeah totally destroyed no i'm just kidding uh annihilate (laughs) being annihilated no uh so is it like like you ever been to those schools where they have a an old car and they give you a sledgehammer and they let you hit it yeah it's like you're just you're destroying that thing so is it like basically the sledgehammer never stops coming down it is never fully I would destroyed. Say, it's just I being would say, destroyed. Yeah, that's a way you could. That's a way you could describe it. Yep. Um. And but but let me finish here. And so they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. On the day He comes to be glorified in His holy people and to be marvelled at. Um. So punished with everlasting destruction and shut out. Um, th- there's something about that. Like, like it, it reminds me of the weeping, you know, when you see these people seated at the table and you yourself shut out, it's like, there's something conscious there. So there's definitely going to be punishment besides you are now annihilated. You now no longer exist, which, which I think is what most of the world walks around banking on. And I know that's not what you're arguing for, but I think it's at least worth saying most of the world is banking on, yeah, I, I, if they were honest, hey, I hope when I die, it's just all done. It's just yeah. all done. No more pain, nothing. I hope I had a really awesome life. So here's um, a step that I think I forgot to kind of talk about with this concept of conditionalism is that there is, God does raise, like in the way Revelation and other verses talk about it, there is a second judgment, right? So you will stand before the judge whether you knew him or not, you'll stand before God and he'll, and he'll judge you. Um, There's quite a bit of uh, uh, what's the word for it. There's quite a bit of that in scripture evidence. I was trying to say. So, so maybe I skipped over that part. It's not as though once our earthly death happens, we just never wake up. It's that we do wake up and see exactly what this verse you're talking about. We see that truth now. We see that God does exist. We see that there are people living and abiding in him and will forever enjoy heaven. And something else is in store for us. Yeah. I mean, don't both, don't both views line up with that verse pretty well? 
it's just that I read everlasting destruction as the word destruction and, and you're reading it as being destroyed <laughs> not, not forever. being destroyed yeah yeah I, I I really do see what you're talking about um it is there's just so much history uh that's going into the context and honestly we all want to look at it from this baby's perspective who has no cultural context to look at it but that's not even right because Jesus wrote it from a cultural context the 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 Jews and the, that he was talking to had a cultural context they were hearing from. The authors of these books and the readers all had cultural context. So it's, um, Josh, I don't know if you've gotten into that at all. Like, what would their perspective have been on some of this stuff? Because they were certainly influenced yeah. by, by the Greeks as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't have all the names of the early saints and what their uh, kind of teachings were, but there's basically those who have taught all three of those those views that I told you from the very beginning. Universalism. How did, univer how did that one ever get in there? The universalism. How, that's the one I got the issue with. How did that one ever even because get that's in there? what? Well, I mean, it makes there are ways that those folks reason through it in the, in the scripture as well. Right. That God is a redeemer. And that all things will be redeemed to him. There's some there's some verses that kind of say that type of a thing. Um, he he wishes that no man should perish, uh, that kind of thing. So I could see why maybe that happened. So that all three things have been there from the beginning. Now the one that has obviously pushed through to our time frame has been this one of like, con like everybody is immortal. God, uh, everybody is a soul that will never die. And you're either going to be eternally with God or without him. What do you guys think about that concept, though, that if God is omnipresent or the idea that if we're in heaven, but we know those we like, like the vast majority of, of every human that has ever lived is being tortured right now. Will it actually feel like heaven to us? Will we delight in that or will we kind of just not know about it? Will God somehow not let it into our mind? Will he be present there as the things or has he come up with a way to take himself out of hell? Well, it, either way, there's going to be some. I, I mean, we're we're talking about like, Josh, your argument before was wouldn't that punishment even be enough to know that oh my goodness i was wrong there's jesus up in heaven and now i'm going to be destroyed forever like the way you're arguing it at least is saying yeah that's just as bad that's that's horrendous that's horrible so i think if we had remorse about man these people are still suffering on for eternity which i which i don't think we're going to be like that i think our perspective now is not even a shadow of how different our minds and our hearts and our thinking is going to be when we're actually perfected. I don't think we're anywhere even close to the same planet mm -hmm. it, as far as how, how good he's going to make us. And right. so, and so in my mind, the more holy and righteous and unvengeful we are, the least will, the less will want that for, for others. Yeah. But Josh, it seems like you're, kind of turn a blind eye to some portions in scripture where I get uncomfortable with what God commanded his people to do with what he was like, no, 
destroy them. Which and, okay. and what did they do, by the way? Yeah, which is I get, the same I get it. Word. I get it. I get it. Yep, <laughs> they killed them. Yep. <laughs> and it, every time you read that, too, there's a note on the bottom. This word means to utterly destroy and leave like totally non-existent. I mean, um, you, you know what I mean when it says that. Uh, right. And then it's the same. It's that. the same word used later that yeah. what God does to the people. But but at least for that kind of I call it the emotional argument. And that's not to, to downplay it um, no. either. Yeah. But. But it seems like we we cannot be trusted. No, you're right. You're right. It, it cannot be up to me to think it's fair yeah, um, for it to be right. Because yeah. the fact is, none of us deserve heaven. All of us deserve hell, whatever, right. you know, w- whatever that is. Right. So our, if our, it's not up to me, then, Steve we would have to go to scripture and see what is the, what is the character of God? What does he instruct us to do? Right. It can't be what we naturally feel is fair has to be kind of like, what does God show happen throughout scripture? And so like Jesus says things like love your enemies and and the, and these different things that don't sound like torture them forever. I mean, he, he says that some of the time. And then, and then, some of the time he talks about, um, he he talks quite a bit about hell. Let's not, um, Josh. I, I, I mean, I, that that offends so many people that Jesus would talk about. Hey, do not fear the one that can kill the body. Fear the one. Yes, say this verse because I love this verse for this point. Oh no, this is going to prove me wrong, isn't it? But but fear the one who can uh, destroy your soul. Destroy both body and soul in hell. Yeah. And so that's a verse that I really think it, 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 if I was a traditional view person and I read that verse, it makes me want to become a conditionalist. Don't fear the one, who, you know, like he can destroy you, your body and soul in hell. And that doesn't that, sound to me. That to me is a forest through the weeds thing. Um, no, b- b- because he, he's got a point he's trying to make there. Do you remember? Hey, Josh, can you hear me? Yeah, we were talking over you there for a second. You said you needed to say something. You sound like you had something. No, go, that's OK. Go ahead with this line. And um, I, I mean, I, I think that w- this verse does uh, sh- should make us pause, though, and say, OK, yeah. So it sounds like, um, okay. you know, our, our souls can be uh, ended. Yeah, so it's Matthew 10, 28. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Um, so the uh, yeah, so he the the kind of heading on this chapter section is have no fear. He's like, Don't don't worry about your lives here on earth so much. Look towards eternity. Don't like, like are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not. Therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my father in heaven. Whoever denies me before men, I'll deny before my father who is in heaven. Um, You know, to your to your um, point, Steve, where you said he's not always nice. 
the next thing he says is, don't think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. And then he talks about setting fathers and mothers against each other. And, and uh, whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So, which that's, that's where the, where your guy was talking about, let's talk about the character of God. Let's say what more aligns with the character of God. I'm like, he is way too good to certain people. And, and sometimes his justice is so scary. It sometimes his justice makes me say, do I believe this stuff? Like when I'm reading the old Testament things, he's things he's, been totally fine with his people doing it. and and you could even say he's promoted you'd say am i am i okay with that so if, so the character argument to me is not is not one that's that would support um an annihilationist view so well, well that doesn't make sense to me because if we're saying god is so holy he doesn't abide sin he will destroy it does that mean that he will let it go on forever in his presence? Oh, Josh, about that point. Um, so what, what's the difference now, though? I mean, so, so you talk about how God is omnipresent. So how could, he, how could he allow there to be this hell because he couldn't possibly be there? Um, and and there God. is. No, he I, is. Just, I just want to say, like, uh, well, wouldn't it be the same as what happens right now? Like wherever sin is going on, wherever it's taking place right now. I mean, I mean, where is he? Right. He's but God says there'll be an end to that. But is he, is he there even now or does, yes. does yeah, he, he remove is, himself? No, I, I would say he is suff like it's agony for him. Cause it's, it's like kind of, one of those things where he can't be there in my mind. It's you think like, he like you know, tiptoes away as somebody gets raped. Well, it, I, I just mean like he's light in him can be no darkness, that type of thing where it's like, he just cannot. But, but I, do mean, you believe I mean, I don't, he's I don't know how to, how to make sense out of, out of it with him being omnipresent, but it, it seems to me that um, he, he can't coexist with sin. Well, there, there's a difference, too, between being omnipresent and uh, there are two or three Christians gathered here and they're praying for my glory and, and I am there with them. There's a difference between what's going on in your hearts as Christian men and another man's heart who, who is not a believer, um, but God's omnipresent and he's there. But but he's he's he knows with all you. He he knows all things too, right? Yes. So, but so isn't don't both of those omnipresence and uh, what's the word for all knowing? Omniscient. Omniscience. Omni omniscience. Um, don't both of those point to he knows every sin that's happening now, but he also sees time differently, and he knows there is an end. And so he what he's saying to us is, uh, like this this will end I, I will not forever be in the like i don't know that's that's how i that's that's a tough one for me to think the traditional view works hey uh so like for me this may be interesting to you because uh, i mean i can i can see logically where you 
uh, can can follow this through. But it's like there's this one little thing that's tripping me up, which is just this mention of the word eternal or everlasting side by side with um, with destruction or torment or, you know, whatever words are there. Um, so like to me, the explanation just it, it doesn't quite sit right where it's like, well, what's the point of mentioning that word? Like if if uh, there's no it, coming back from it, you can't be a universalist. It you get like it's it's final. I think that's why it's mentioned there. Yeah, uh, but I guess to me, it just seems like it would be you'll be destroyed, not forever destroyed or eternally. De- I, I, I maybe now the way, but, but the you way die. I, I mean, we're all going to die here on this earth, but it's yeah, not forever. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was just going to say the way I said it actually made it click a little bit to me. So like you'll be forever destroyed, like you'll be gone forever. Yeah, I can I can maybe see that. Hey, are you guys Calvinist by chance? Like, would you say you lean towards Calvinism? I, I lean that way. Yeah, I would say I lean that way, but I have issues. And so and so we, this is like. So the idea that god like humans humans don't make the decision god chooses who he will save right and he does 100 percent of the work in the salvation so then you'd have to you'd have to ask yourself this kind of big question of if those people never had a chance to be saved they didn't have any choice in the matter and god chooses who's saved how is it then just to not only not save that person but to send them to eternal conscious torment. No idea. How, how would it be just to punish them at all? But does I, that I sit well with you guys? I mean, doesn't it seem a little off? Yes. But, but you're, you're, well, it seems you're, off. You're, that ar- they... you're arguing it from, uh, okay, we know everything. Doesn't that no, seem, I'm definitely we, not trying to say I know it, everything. We know it, it everything also, and we have the right perspective on it. I'm certainly you, not doing that, but I do believe God has given us minds that can reason things out sometimes, right? Yeah, but but we I would say it also sometimes. it also seems off that, that they would be anyone would be punished at all, whether it be forever or for just a little bit of time. If, and so in that case, the death so you're saying if Calvinism is true, all will be all should be reconciled to God? No, I'm just saying that that both of them seem wrong if we're just taking that bit of information. Like, it, it doesn't sit well with us. Yeah, right? I'm sure, you, Josh, but you one could, thing you was could, wrong for eternity. You could ask some people that question, Josh, doesn't one sit sit well with you? And, and some, some guy, some hard-nosed guy would say, no, man, let him burn forever. Yeah, I no, mean, I, I'm not I, saying there's not people who want, like, who are delighting in the idea that, yes, you think you have it all together now, just it, wait till you're burning forever. And that person might be a better person than me. Like, you know, I, I mean, there are people who have a gr- much greater sense of justice than I do. Now, I, I said, let them burn like some totally insensitive jerk. Um, but some people just have a greater sense of of what is just than I do. And I think, man, that's a punk. Why are why are they so hard? Are, I mean, we don't know about punishment. We just don't like I spank my kids but, but and I, 
But you can understand, like if somebody was kicking a puppy, you would tell them to stop. Yeah, because there are things that we can all agree. Like God probably put that in us, this idea of a conscience. Yeah. And and we all agree that kids should be punished. We all also agree that that punishment is right. But we would agree. We disagree on how we would punish them. There comes a point where we would say it was torture. And if you were torturing that child forever, which a lot of children died not knowing God, that's what's happening. And and so, yeah, but you're, you're not even arguing that point. You're not even arguing who's going to go to hell, who's going to go to heaven. You're arguing what is hell? What is this punishment? I'm suggesting but, that with Calvinism, that I think there's even less of a reason for eternal conscious torment because they never had a choice in the matter. Yeah, even and, though, and, and and here here's why that's here's why that's a little bit off. You, I don't see how you can read Romans chapter nine. In in come away, um, like like Paul even puts it. Okay, I'm I'm I got it up right now. Paul even says, I mean, he has the exact argument that every college campus has. He he even uses the same words. Why does he still find fault? Like he's saying that almost rhetorically. For who can resist his will? Like who would we? We don't even have a choice in the matter. But who are you, oh man, to answer back to God? Well, what does molded say to its molder? So, Josh, I get what you're saying. Hey, we have reason. We have, we should be arguing from a certain perspective. Um, but there are some things that uh, the best, the best argument. And I hate. I'm. I hear my voice. I sound like a teacher on this. I am not a teacher. This is just my perspective on it. Um, you know, has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump? Basically, whatever the heck he wants to, it's his clay. Like we are his clay. So, so listen, you don't have to be a Calvinist. It that's more, I think about God's character. I think it probably trickles down to how we live as well, but, um, no, you still got to tell people about the Lord and, and we got to act like (laughs) Arminians basically. Um, you got to yeah. act like, hey, I've got a choice to make. Yeah, um, that's a that's a fair and good point, Steve. I like that point of basically Paul saying, hey, is it really your place here or should you question God? And the answer is no. And so, God kind of comes at Job like that, too. So so here here's one. Here's one way I, I heard it said that I really liked. You see two pieces of the puzzle that seem like these pieces don't fit together. Um, because you'll see some verses where it says it is God who, who works and wills in you to, um, what's that verse? It is God's will that works in you to live out his good pleasure, something like that, where it points so clearly to God does the work. And then the following verse says, so now work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Like you, now the, the burdens on you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling and, and, and I mean, there's plenty of verses that seem like, no, it's, it's up to us totally. But the, um, but we see these two puzzle pieces that don't seem like they fit together when in actuality, there are like three more puzzle pieces that we don't even see that one day when we get up to heaven, that right now we stand part one day we'll see in full and we'll see, Oh yeah, those, both those pieces belong to the same puzzle. Yeah. So 
I, I like your points there, Steve. Um, I don't really want to argue this conditionalism from, I, I really want to stick to the scripture. I don't want to say, but I think this feels better. However, I do think the scripture says things about God and his character, which are God as a just and loving God. He's righteous. He's a righteous judge. And I think he's put, I think, I think he's given us examples here on earth of what a good judge looks like and a good potter, how they would treat the, the thing they create. Right. Maybe certain clay pots aren't fit for, for use. And so they do get shattered and um, destroyed, but I don't know as though a good righteous, holy judge would sit there and, throw the potter pottery in the fire to forever eternally burn, but rather to burn up and to be no more. The, uh, a hurdle I have is where the fire is not quenched, where the worm does not die. Right. That that's, that's just a hurdle. Now I could talk, I already know what you would argue. Do you want to argue it for me? Let me try. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like you'd say, um, like it's, 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 you're, it's going to burn you up and then it'll burn up the next person. Yeah. I mean, what happens when you throw something into a fire? What does fire do? Right. Yeah, eventually it's, it it's consumes. Done. It's ash. Absolutely. The fire that consumes. And so the idea is that the fire is eternally burning. The, the worm will keep feeding on the corpses. But um, yeah. I don't it just like... seems it just seems strange for someone to to say that the worm does not die and the fire does not. Well, you know what Paul says, he says, who are you to question God and how he says things? <laughs> <laughs> if if he's not saying that, like if he says that to me, I think, ooh, I'm just going to keep on burning. I, I don't know, but obviously that's with my context involved. Um, well, you can imagine he's taught this, the hell that they're referring to, they're calling it Gehenna, right? So there's this landfill outside of the city that never stops burning. They keep throwing trash into it at a clip that is always smoldering. There's always maggots within it. It is being like, it is that kind of a place. And I think that's the picture that, that this verse is, is bringing to mind. Hmm. It, um, he's, he's got an answer for everything, doesn't he, Kidder? <laughs> I don't. You know, honestly, like it's one of these things where I know I'm trying to sound really like sure of myself right now. It's 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 more the sense of I none of us will know what happens in eternity. But this is something that over the past couple of years. I think there is something to this because it speaks directly to the character of God. So if we're getting it wrong is God looking down at us and being like a little bit heartbroken and saying, why are you saying this about me? Like, why, why is this the picture you are painting for, for those who don't know me? Um, it's okay. If it's the other way, like God is who he is. That's, I mean, I don't, I can't question that, but it is important enough in my mind right now that I think I had to bring it up. I had to talk through it with you guys. To yeah. me, to me, Josh, that's, where it comes down to is where do you feel comfortable with God's measure of wrath? He pours out on people. Um, 
Well, it can't come down to that. You told me it can't be where what what we're comfortable with. No, no. What I'm saying is I feel like that is where you are arguing from. And, no, and no. I started from scripture. I, I get it. I get it. But I feel like the, the character, because if we can step back and ask, why does this conversation even, even matter? You just said it. The character of God. Why do we even care? Well, because we care about the God we serve. And what would it say about his character if he if he punishes someone continually, present participle for eternity, versus he punishes him for like a day or whatever whatever it is? Whatever is just and right in his eyes. Okay. It then to me it seems like if I'm an unbeliever and you come to me and you say. Well, here's a couple of things we do know from scripture beyond a shadow of a doubt. There's going to be a really bad, horrendous, worthy punishment. Like we're not, we're not even, we're not arguing universalism here. We're both, I feel like on the same side of there's going to be a, there's going to be torment. There's going to be something horrendous that you can't even fathom right now. So if I told you, yeah, there's this guy that did something horrible to a baby, like tortured this baby. um, It's going to be worse than that. So if I'm an unbeliever and I'm, I'm grilling you on what you believe about hell, to me, I feel like between you and I, you're taking the position of the softer view, but really to an unbeliever, it's not any, it's not really any softer. It's still horrible punishment Um, that is. Well, I've never been one who really agrees with the idea of the way we get people to be saved is by preaching hellfire and brimstone. I'd rather show them like who God is and how he draws people to him in his glory. Right. And so you're missing out on that. Whatever happens after that, it's, it's horrendous. Hey, Josh, here, here's a different perspective um, that, that might make you look at it a little different. Um, What, uh, what if, what if this, this was true? Um, Could you also see that maybe this might, make people actually more willing to to experience this destruction um in the sense that like it's like okay so you're telling me yeah i can basically do whatever i want for all these years that i'm alive for 80 years yeah i could live Um, it up for 80 years yeah and then i'm gonna i'm gonna experience you know whatever it is a, a moment of destruction because I didn't, I didn't do what I should have. And then it's all going to be over or I could, you know, or I could make sure I get it right. And then I'll have like a great forever after that. Um, Like, could you see that that might possibly motivate people to say, you know, because we're kind of these people who are like, you know, I think the point you're bringing up here, Kidron is the reason the traditional view is exists and why it's the most popular view. Uh huh. I think people have a hard time figuring out the inability to see God's greatness and how 
joyful it would be to live with him forever in eternity. Mm-hmm. And instead we're driven by, we don't want to feel pain. And so we have concocted this way to read. Uh, you will, it's your, it's either death or life, choose life. And we've decided to change death to you'll be tortured forever. So that, so that we think it's, it's serious enough that we don't want to go out and party uh, and do all the things we want to do, our sinful things want to do here on earth. I think we try to scare people when what we should be doing is finding God's goodness and how he says, I put before you death and life, choose life. We don't yeah, have he, to. He, he argues both though. He does. He argues both ways. There, there's a full counsel of God. There's a full gospel. And it hell is a very real part of that. Well, you keep saying um, that, but you don't haven't given me any scripture that describes okay. what hell is. Um. Well, I I I wasn't saying that. I was saying he, Jesus tries to scare people a little bit as well. Right. He so, says, "Don't fear people who can hurt you here on earth. Fear the person who can destroy your soul and body and uh, in the afterlife." Yep. Yeah, and the, and then he says, um, "Saying I'm the way, the truth, and the life." The, the 18 that fell that, that died when the tower of Siloam fell on them were, were they any worse sinners than the rest? But no, you too, if you don't repent and perish, you you'll too be like them. I'm not saying that for the, I'm not saying that for the annihilationism. Uh, I'm saying that more for Jesus also tried to present people with the oh, truth to scare I them. I see what you're saying. Yeah, they, he showed them the, the scary part of it too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I only say that because you are definitely leaning heavily on the just just the life with God. It's great. But Jesus leaned heavily on that and he leaned very heavily on. He, he taught the full counsel. But isn't what he's actually saying there is. Um, he's actually saying you're going to miss out on the life. Saying you will be like them. Uh, yes, both. Um, because like if you ask somebody what's the worst thing that could happen to them a lot for a lot of people it's to die right we have such a strong urge to like survive and when we're faced with death and life we we want to live right and so i think he's just saying like choose life and here it is and i have it abundantly it it is a crazy thing that that we all want to survive so much like i mean obviously there are people who get to the point where they, they commit suicide or something, but it seems like even the really miserable people and, 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 you know, even, even like personally, like if we go through periods of time where it's just like, um, life doesn't seem fun. There's like, why am I here? You know, that, that type of situation in life, there is still that, like, I don't want to die. And it's like, why, <laughs> you know, I know. Yeah. It's weird when when you look at how bad people have it sometimes, like you look at homeless people and like just their life, but they they wouldn't choose death. But their life is just so miserable. Um, Well, that that actually kind of argues Josh's point a little bit. Um, Right. Not much because there's really not. He's wrong, but I'm totally (laughs) kidding. Totally kidding. Honestly, let me say two things. One. We don't want to not exist. We don't want to even not be conscious. Kids don't want to take a nap because 
they might miss out on something. That's a very real part of it, Josh. And I, I think, I think that kind of goes to, goes to what you're saying there. Um, however, I, I, I think our two points of view are because Josh, I, I don't think you're saying what you're saying is much softer than what I'm saying. Wait, say that again. Cause I'm not, are you saying that I am saying something softer? Um, no, the opposite. yes, yes. I, I I'm saying what you're saying is, is, is soft. you're arguing a softer view than what I'm arguing, which, oh, which I'm not saying it's more wrong. I'm, I'm saying it, it's a, it's just a softer view, but would God see it as softer? Because like if somebody is in hell, they are still somehow in the presence and exit of God and existing. So it's what Kidron just talked about. He's saying people are in a living hell right now. Okay. I'm I'm saying from man's perspective, it would be a softer view. I'm just picking a word that will describe it. I'm I'm not trying to call me soft. Okay, here we go. Boy, here we go. So so but but I really think, Josh, if you could take a continuum of what believers think of, of what the world and believers think about what happens to you after the die. I think, okay, mine's on the far right side and yours is just next to it on the left side, because you're even leaving the door open for the Bible. It gives thousands it clear of years of a punishment. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I don't, maybe you don't even believe it's thousands of years, but whatever it is, the Bible is clear that it's horrendous. That, that it that and so that's why I'm saying if I'm sharing the gospel with someone and and they're either going to be interested or not interested if I'm if I'm arguing your perspective or my perspective with them to me it's not going to make really hardly any if any difference because we're not preaching the universalist it is if if we're both preaching from the Bible there there's still many verses about the torment of the destruct total destruction. And, and if I take that verse back to the old Testament with the, yeah, he, they, they killed all the babies. They killed everyone. There, there's no soft side really to either of our arguments, I guess is what I'm getting at. It's, it's like an incremental tiny little shift. Well, it's an eternally length shift though. Yeah. Yeah. So, so but, like I, I have I have an example. Um, but on the I just, continue on the continuum of what people believe, I, we there's are, just an eternity of difference. Yeah, okay, the, yeah. Whatever. Here's what I'm saying though. Like I don't think this is a salvation issue. Um, so that's good. Um, Kidron, what were you gonna say? Well, I was gonna say we we just set out. I set out a glue mouse trap um, two <laughs> days ago, and so that we caught two different mice and uh but what i was going to say about it is like you know it's sitting there in the glue and it's still alive and it's like squirming and trying to run out and it's you know being totally tormented it's it's like yeah this is this is terrible and so like i mean i I get what steve's saying about it not being that much different so uh, from that perspective but where the difference is would be yeah like so so it died um it, it's dead now but it would still be doing it today and it would still be you, you know i mean there is a big difference between between I, it being total anguish and being total anguish forever like i'm it not would still... i'm not talking about there being a difference that is a huge difference 
But if I'm an if I'm an unbeliever, mm-hmm. and you're telling me about kind of the full counsel of God, you're teaching me the best you can from Scripture, and you mm-hmm. teach me one of those over the other, what Josh believes is still it too bad to imagine. Yeah, I mean it's still like the mouse, like and, going through. And and from our perspective, there's there's not much difference from our perspective right now. It's one is the worst thing I can imagine. One is much worse than that. It, it, it's like they're both from an from an unbeliever's perspective, even from my perspective. They, oh my, from my sense of justice, they're both horrible. It's like no, that's the worst. But it's it, it's it's not like you're presenting. Oh, and then it'll be stopping, and God will give him candy canes, and he'll welcome him back into his house. It, it's like that would be an actual shift. That would be yeah. an actual shift for an unbeliever to grasp and say, "Oh yeah, I want to." Yeah, I mean that that would sway someone. What, Josh, you're you're still presenting. It, honestly, would, we could even say the same words: an eternal punishment in hell. That, I'm looking at. I, I know what my church believes, but their their mission, their uh, statement of faith: the lost will be raised to judgment and experience eternal wrath in hell. Which you'd say, yeah, I believe that, and I, I believe that. And most unbelievers would see that and say, well, that's horrible. And we'd well, both the, be like, yeah, that is horrible. Ask, let me ask it, you guys this then. Uh, because, I, you know, my goal tonight wasn't to have everybody say, yes, that must be the new biblical view. Why doesn't everybody see it? Um, but here's what I am asking you. Would you consider somebody who is of this mindset, who thinks scripture, what it does preach is that there is an end to the like people are not immortal. You are only immortal through Jesus Christ. Would you still consider them uh, somebody who could be in your church? Is it a view that could has some biblical weight behind it? Yeah, I don't see any problem. One of the like chief elders in my church is an annihilationist. And I, he's, he's like one of my closest mentors. So yes, I'm cool with it. Okay, but especially Josh, the way you have come at it. I mean, I mean, some of the things like any of the emotional argument, I just don't give that much credence. But right. you, you really, you're like, you seem like you really put a lot into not just this conversation, but like you've studied a lot. You really care about it. I think, yeah, he he made some points there. Um, looking through my lens, it, it, it. I can't even say it that, oh, it doesn't make much sense because, yeah, I could see how it kind of makes some sense. Um, but it, this is kind of a, to me, I don't want to say a toss up because that makes it sound trivial. Um, but, but it's I'm something like, that somebody who who takes ser- scripture seriously um, could fall on either side of this and still be um, somebody I'd. I'd say is a, is a, is, is walking the Christian faith and, and trying to do their best to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. But my, my guy, the guy, the guy I'm talking about said, listen, if God decided to punish people, present participle, conscious eternally forever, that would be what they deserve. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause God, but, cause we but believe I just, God is good and, and what he does is good. Yeah. But, but he said, I just don't believe the scripture says that. And I'm, and and listen, everything else in this guy lines up with 
uh, <laughs> I mean, he's bearing abundant fruit for the Lord. Mm-hmm. Help us explore this topic of conditional immortality. Send comments and questions to homokentexperiment at gmail.com. Good day. <laughs>